Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I am Brad. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate that. I uh, noticed this week in the coffee news that um, they're now offering advent calendar coffees. It's like a a 24-day like micro subscription, you know, that uh, gives you coffee each day from a different part of the world. What's I don't think this existed before 2020. This has got to be a, uh, a pandemic thing. And kudos to them. I think it's a great idea. There's one from the Onyx Coffee Lab. This is um, 24 different single origin coffees. They're divided into two ounce whole bean offerings. This is more for your your coffee snob. I don't think I would really qualify for this, this grade because this package is like $150. Um, now the servings are not tiny, so you'd probably have a lot of coffee on hand afterwards. Uh, there's another one called Cafe Box. A good way to get just a ton of different coffees from, from around the globe. There's several different brands out there. Um, you know, you can go really high end and spend you know, a few hundred dollars, or you can get some that are on the lower side, like 40, 50 bucks. I'm sure they're going to make quite a bit of money off that this year. Because sometimes, you know, if you're doing the work from home thing and you don't leave much like I do, it's sort of like every day kind of feels like Groundhog Day. <laughs> and having a different cup of coffee each day, I know that might sound insignificant. Uh, it, it just really kind of changes the tone of the day if you've got a different cup of coffee. I've, uh, I've kind of grown lazy with mine. I just, uh, I've been getting my subscriptions in the usual blends. Uh, of course, Lavazza. But it, Lavazza is so good, it just keeps me happy. I think uh, I've reached a plateau. Between that and Summer Moon, I, I don't know where to go from here. So maybe I'll uh, spring for one of these advent calendars. I've had a couple of uh, what I would consider meaningful events since the last episode. I, uh, I got to vote. That was good. Uh, hopefully you've gone out and done that or have plans to do that. It was interesting because my wife went, her plan was to go right when it opened. Opening day, right out of the gate, get there at 7 a.m. And she had to wait two hours. It was a crazy long line. And I went at like 10.30, and it only took me like, I don't know, half an hour. So it, uh, it seems to be all over the place, but no matter how long it takes, I think it's important that we all get out there and do it. Even if, even if you don't agree with me, you know, you still should vote. If everybody voted the, uh, I don't know, it would just be more, I could accept the outcome a little better. That and get rid of the Electoral College. The other uh, meaningful event that's happened is that I was visited by a praying mantis. Uh, she would just sort of hang out on my front doorstep. And I thought it was interesting. You know, she really did not make any sudden movements. She was just chilling. And um, so I got there the next day to the front door and still there. And this happened for like three or four days in a row. Do you ever think that when you encounter animals like this, that it's a sign? I know that might sound a little crazy, but 
you know, if we are in a simulation, which there's some good arguments to be made for that. You can check out my past episode if you want to do a deep dive on that one. But if we accept that as a possibility and you just go with it for a little while, then really, you know, there are no coincidences. And this encounter day after day of a praying mantis means something. So I looked it up at the crystalclearintuition.com, the place you go for all questions like this, right? And they had this to say, the spiritual meaning of a praying mantis represents trust, introspection, new perspectives, intuitive abilities, and spiritual connection. It's often a sign that energies from other dimensions are sending you messages to trust your own inner guidance and to be patient to wait for the flow of the universe to sort everything out. Um, goes on to say, if a praying mantis shows up in your life, it represents the need to step away from the distractions of everyday life and to take some time to look inward to connect with the intuitive insight deep within your soul. Another interesting point uh, that this article made is that this might be a time where meditation gives you the insight that you need in order to find your center and sort of balance everything out. What's really interesting is, is since lockdown happened, you know, what for me it's been seven months now of, uh, I'd say 95% of my time has been in, <laughs> in my house. Um, but since that's happened, uh, I've, I'm doing all the things that I should be doing less. You know, for instance, meditation. Uh, I'm doing that less. I, I just can't sit still. I feel like there's a kind of unease, you know, in the collective that we have. Because if we are all connected, and I believe we are, then all of this stuff is just rippling through. And it's it's hard to sit still and do the very thing that would make me feel better about it. That's the that to me is sort of the the question. The why why is this happening? Why is it easier to focus on negative than positive? It turns out there's a psychological phenomenon known as negative bias. And it's our tendency to only register negative stimuli and to dwell on that stimuli. You know, this bias towards negativity, it leads us to pay more attention to bad things than to the good. And it makes, it makes the bad things more important than they really are. In fact, studies have shown that negative news is more likely to be perceived as truthful. Since negative information draws greater attention, it also is seen to have greater validity. And this is probably why bad news always gets more attention. You know, our tendency is to pay more attention to bad things and to overlook the good, which is really a result of evolution, you know? Early in human history, you had to pay attention to bad things and negative threats because otherwise you'd die. Um, and if you were attuned to danger, 
the people that paid more attention to those things around them were more likely to survive. They passed down their genes and so on and so forth. And this evolutionary perspective is why we have this tendency to dwell on all the negative information more than the positive. It's basically the uh, brain's way to try to keep us safe. Even though we're not like in a constant high alert, even in these crazy times like our ancient ancestors were, um, the negativity bias still has a huge part in our brains and how they operate. And what this has done to me in the past, I'll admit it, it's turned me into a bit of, at times I would be kind of a self-help junkie, always looking for the next thing, um, the next life hack, as they say on YouTube. But um, what happened to me with that is that I would make these astronomical goals, you know, and just expect way too much. And it's this endless wheel of self-improvement, which I'm sure is a probably a billion-dollar industry. But one way to jump off of that train of constantly searching for the next life hack is to uh, embrace what the Japanese philosophy of Kaizen. And what's interesting about this concept is that it was actually introduced to them by an American by the name of Edwin, Edward Deming. Uh, this, this is after World War II, back in the 40s. He went over to Japan to help them rebuild their manufacturing facilities. And he told them if they wanted to succeed, they had to ask themselves one question every day. And that is, what extremely small step can I take to improve the product or process? And this is how Japan became a manufacturing superpower by the end of the 20th century. So fast, fast forward almost 100 years, 80 years later, I guess. Robert Maurer, he is a psychologist at UCLA. He asked the question if Kaizen could be as effective in transforming people's lives as it had been in manufacturing. So he had his patients take really small steps towards a significant change that they wanted to make in their life. And it was like tiny small, right? Like if someone wanted to have a new career, he would have them spend a few seconds each day imagining what it would be like to have that life. Uh, let's say somebody wanted to lose weight he would have them march in place during a commercial break of their TV show. And if somebody wanted to stop drinking, he would have them take one less sip each time they drank. And over time, these small steps led to shockingly big changes. You know, his patients were in careers they loved, they were giving up foods that weren't healthy, and exercising regularly. And this is almost opposite what I usually hear from the self-development gurus. You know, most of them say, if we want to achieve great things, we have to take big, bold steps. But this can backfire. We can make these huge changes, which seem exciting in the moment, but then we're left with this feeling of defeat when they don't work out. You know, it's a huge burnout. Uh, it's a dangerous game because... Unrealistic goals make it insanely difficult to make any progress. And then you get stressed and 
over what is supposed to help you take action, it actually has the opposite effect. Our performance and ability to get things done is tied to our brain performance. A big goal looks scary to the brain. And when the brain encounters scary, it goes into freeze mode. And if we constantly overstretch ourselves, we'll lose that required energy that we need to take necessary action to get better. And when we use Kaizen and take those tiny steps towards a goal, what happens is our resistance to change begins to weaken ever so slowly over time. This is another way to reprogram the subconscious mind. This reminds me of the Tony Robbins quote where he said that most people overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Just by each day focusing on getting just 1% better in whatever it is that we're trying to improve. That's all we have to do, just 1%. And it may seem like not much, but those 1% start compounding on each other. And in the beginning, the improvements will seem, will be so small that it's practically non-existent. I mean, since seeing the praying mantis, I've gotten back into meditation. This week, it's been just a few minutes each morning. I just meditate on what I'm grateful for because there's so many things. And have I felt any different from this? Uh, I'd be lying if I say I did, at least not yet. I, I feel like less of a jerk because I'm, I don't think I'm taking things as much for granted as, as maybe I had in the past. But I'll say this, you know, I do think that doing this daily will have a huge impact over the long run. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all my past episodes at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Hope you can check that out. Uh, check the show notes. I also will post some past episodes that uh, sort of work as companion pieces to this one. You can send me a message at the uh, coffeebuzzpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.